In a world where it seems totally normal to listen to a podcast about the Toronto Argonauts, it's the X's and Argos podcast. Welcome to the X's and Argos pregame walkthrough brought to you by Funny Bone Broth. My name is Ben Grant, joined as always by JB. My head is exploding with all the things we got to talk about, JB. We've got Gary Stern's comments, the owner of the Owls. We'll get to that. Uh, Coach Dinwiddie contracting COVID this past week. That's an important one. The injury report is a huge story coming into game one for the Argos. Plus, we've got OCDC, one thing predictions, fantasy advice, and our picks. All that and more coming up on this episode of the X's and Argos podcast. Let's get into Gary Stern. So the owner of the Alouettes says, I think we're going to kill Toronto on Thursday. And let me just give you a little bit of context behind this. So the, the owner, Gary Stern, has talked like this before. He has had a lot of very anti-Toronto Argonauts comments in the past. In this particular case, he was talking to uh, Didier Ormejust from RDS, and he didn't really take it back. Uh, Didier followed that up with, is this a prediction? And he's like, it's more than a prediction. It's a, and then he stopped for a second. And then he said, it's a prediction. So I don't know if he was going to say guarantee and then kind of felt he shouldn't say that. But yeah, he, he basically was was guaranteeing a win on Thursday. Do you like stuff like this? <laughs> um, no, uh, <laughs> I, I think. Is that is that the coach you talking where if your owner said, I guarantee we're going to win don't this know. week? I Like, it's just stupid. Like, based on what? He hasn't even seen <laughs> Toronto play this year. Like, you know. I, I like guarantees when you like you feel like you have the better team and you're better prepared and you're ready to win. I, I don't mind that, say, a playoff game or a big late season game. But, you know, he, he hasn't watched Toronto play a regular season game and his team just lost their first game. It, it just seems like, um, you know, just what just talk. He seems to me to be trying to get his team fired up because he said last week he had some pretty... I, I just thought unusual things to say last week because he, he basically said if things don't turn around that there are going to be moves made midseason. And it just seemed like a weird thing to be saying at the beginning of the year. But, uh, you know, he obviously feels like he's he's got to get the guys fired up. And I think maybe he thinks these comments will do that. I don't personally mind it. I, I like it. Now, I don't. It's sort of an exception here because I don't like it for all sports and all leagues. In the CFL, I do like it because... It's a league, as we've been talking about for the last, you know, whoever, however many years, it's a league that needs more attention on it. And I like stuff like this, the owner coming out and saying stuff like this. I, I do think it draws extra attention. I think it gets eyes. But what do you think about the bulletin board aspect of that? Is that a real thing in your mind? I, I don't think Toronto. I mean, I think Toronto is week one. They're dialed in. They want to get off to a good start. I, I can't imagine Um that they're going to need any extra motivation to to play well in the home opener, right? I mean, it's the home opener. So I I, I think that's just noise. Um, I, I do believe in bulletin board. I think that's completely a thing, but not this week. That's just just excess noise. They have you know they have enough to to worry about and to focus on. I, I can't imagine that's going to have any impact on them. Yeah, I'm the same with you on that. I think especially this being a team with so many veteran players, I don't think this is going to particularly rattle them. So uh, I, I don't think this is bulletin board material. But yeah, I don't I don't mind him saying that. I think 
you know, it's a news story. We're talking about it. It's drawn more attention to to the game. And, uh, yeah, I, I don't have a problem with it. But, yeah, I just wouldn't want to be I wouldn't want to be the coach in that position. I, I find that uh, it would probably be something I would I'd like to go without. Coach Dinwiddie had COVID this past week. So it sounds like he says he believes that he caught it from his family after returning uh, from training camp from Guelph and he contracted COVID, I guess, at some point last week. He hasn't been at practice the last few days. His quarantine ends at the end of the day today, as we record this on Tuesday. So he'll be back with the team for Wednesday's walkthrough, and he'll be coaching on Thursday. But days were lost. Practice days were lost. What kind of impact is this going to make? Well, I mean, and and I assume he's going to have to test negative. I assume that it's not just simply a five-day, but that there is... In fact, uh, a negative rapid test, surely to God, in their protocol. Um, but you know, aside from that, yeah, of course it's going to have an impact. You, you know, football is such a coach-intensive game. To not have your head coach there uh, for a number of days is not the end of the world. Certainly, from a defensive point of view, the defense is often kind of its own thing, anyways. If you have an offensive coach, but from an offensive point of view yeah it, it definitely is going to have an impact in terms of him not being there to uh, you know to install what he wants installed or just the level of intensity of practice is like a, a classroom without a teacher I think there are some concerns I've coached on teams where we've been out without the head coach or without a coordinator and even teams that are very mature veteran teams they they're not the same. The practices just don't have the same energy. So I do think that is a reason for concern. Now, what I will say on the positive side of this is, first of all, let's you know thank the fact that this is coming off a bye week and the first game of the season. So they've been prepping a lot of stuff for this game for a long time. So that's one good thing. It's not like you're coming off a road trip out west and you've got four days to prepare and here's your game and the coach isn't there for for any of the practices so i think in terms of install i don't think there's a ton of stuff that they would have missed out on this week and you know with with, with coach costanza and, and all the guys they've got in there i do think there's a pretty good communication system not to mention that uh pinball clemens was basically overseeing the offensive team meetings and overseeing practice so he was I guess acting as Coach Dinwiddie's eyes and ears and and voice uh, at times. So I, you know, at least they have a not not just an experienced coach, but a very good experienced coach in there for Coach Dinwiddie. And in this day and age, he can keep track of what's going on. So he's talking to all of his positional coaches. He's talking to players through uh, the internet, through through Zoom or whatever communication system they use. And he's also able to see practice film. You know, they're filming every single snap. He can look at that, he can analyze it, he can go over things with guys. So I, I think in that sense, they're not missing nearly as much as they might have in another scenario. No. So having having Pinball there, obviously, um, you know, because he's the boss is, you know, I think is also a, a good a good way of keeping up the intensity. I mean, I I wouldn't I mean, it's still your coach is out, but for sure, like that's that's better than most teams would have in terms of somebody being able, uh, you know, to jump in and 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 make sure that things don't, you know, fall apart. Let's get to this injury report. It's a mess. And I was saying to you earlier, if you, if you didn't know which team was 
coming off a, a game and which team was playing their first game of the season after a bye. And you were just basing it on this injury report. You, you'd get it wrong. The Argos injury report is a mess right now. And I don't know if there's any gamesmanship going on here. I don't know if this is just them being overly cautious coming into their first game of the season. But uh, there's a, a lot of names on here. And Montreal doesn't have the same thing. Now, Montreal is missing the biggest player of all of these guys, uh, obviously with Stanback out. But yeah, Toronto's injury list is it, it is not great. No, I mean, for a team that hasn't played a game, um, it was a pretty comprehensive list. I'm I'm hoping that this is just a little bit of gamesmanship in terms of injuries, and that all the guys who are questionable uh, are a go. That's that's my hope that that's what this is, and it's not that half the team is is significantly injured having not played a game. Yeah, there's 13 guys on the list. Now, a few have been ruled out already. So, Joan Breskison has been ruled out and Eric Rogers has been ruled out. That's a that's a really unfortunate pairing because you've got two big receivers that don't play the same position, but they they have similar roles on the team, and having both of those guys out is is not ideal. And I was just trying to think of, you know, how you how you accommodate that. So, you know, I assume Diverse Daniels is listed as questionable, but he was a full participant in practice today. Ernest Edwards still questionable. I, I think the way they're probably going to lay this out for the receivers is you'll have Daniels, will, I think, is going to go. So he'll be at X. I think at W, they probably go with one of their filling guys. They've really been talking up A.J. Richardson and Cam Phillips. I think one of those two guys, I would lean towards A.J. Richardson there. I think that's probably who we'll see, but we haven't seen a, a depth chart release yet. And then on the other side, I think you're you're good to go with with Ambles, Banks, and Gittins Jr. So um, it, there is a depth issue, and there's that issue at W. But I really like Richardson and Phillips for that matter as players. So I I, I think that receiver situation is going to be okay. The DBs is what I'm worried about because. We've got Robert Priester, uh, who's questionable with hamstring injury, and Jamal Peters, questionable with a knee injury. You need one of those two guys to dress and, and to play. You need one of them. You need one of them to start because the scenario otherwise is you're you're looking at. So let's let's say both Peters and, and Priester can't go. So then you probably put Robertson Daniel at corner with Tavares McFadden, but now you don't have a Sam Backer, and so you're left. Probably putting, probably putting Josh Haggerty uh, down at Sandbacker, which isn't really a natural position for him, and I think this really throws things out of whack. So one of those two guys has got to play. The offensive line is a little bit of a concern as well. Isaiah Cage is the guy that I'm most concerned about. Uh, he's got a head injury. He has not practiced all week, and he's listed as questionable. That's the big one. Dylan Giffen um, is already—he's already been ruled out. Uh, Gregor McKellar hasn't been ruled out. He's also got a head injury, but he hasn't practiced all week either. So, you know, hoping that that at the very least Cage can play, but it would be nice if he and McKellar could could get out there. Uh, the the two of them. It's that time, JB. Let's get to OCDC. <laughs> All right, the way OCDC works for new listeners, JB has worked extensively as a defensive coordinator. I've always been an offensive coordinator. And so we thought, why don't we come up with this very catchy segment called OCDC, where I will 
break down my strategy if I were the offensive coordinator for both Toronto and Montreal. And JB is going to break down what he would do as the defensive coordinator for both Toronto and Montreal. So let's start things off. We are the visitors. We are the Montreal Alouettes coming into BMO Field. I'll give you my take first. So in terms of what I would do with Montreal's offense. So number one, I want to test those corners. Even if you've got uh, so let's let's say let's say all the corners are healthy. Everyone that's listed as questionable is healthy. I still want to test McFadden in game because he still hasn't played a regular season game. Not only that, the DBs. While I like all of the DBs individually, this is a pretty new group, and I want to really test their communication. So I'm going to have a lot of especially deep concepts. Concepts that are going to require communication, concepts that are going to require these guys who had never played side by side to really bark things out mid-play. Because again, you've got going going across the board, McFadden we know isn't entirely new. And while we completely trust Amos and and uh, Mechie, I do, they haven't all three worked together. So you go one side of the field, all three of them are, are new to each other to, to an extent. And then if you keep going on the other side of the field, Shaq Richardson has played with some of these guys, but it's been a while and it's a new system for all these guys. And then Jamal Peters, let's say he's healthy as well. Um, you know, he and Shaq have, have spent some time together, but again, we've got, we've got new, we've got new position coaches in the defensive backs are coming in from everywhere. So that's something that I would really want to test. So that's going to be my main focus as the Montreal offensive coordinator. JB, what are you doing as the Montreal DC coming into this game? Uh, yeah, that's interesting too. Um, it's hard to say without a ton of uh, film this year, so it's kind of based on last year. Um, you know, if I'm if I want to move Macbeth off his spot, right? I want to get him um, moving around and off schedule. Um, I want to take away the hash uh, inside field. I want to take away that inside seam. Uh, I know he's got a big arm, but I'm fine with him throwing the deep ball. Um, you know, I think that that's kind of a misnomer with him. He's, he's got tons of arm, but uh, from a defensive coordinator point of view, if he's throwing deep balls um, and not really getting into a rhythm, I'm I'm really happy with that because uh, you know you want I want to get pressure up the middle, I want to get him on the move, and I want him uh, throwing out to the sidelines. And if he does that. Uh, you know, that's enough for us. And, uh, you know, we'll see from a running game. Uh, it's hard to say. Like, I would say that's my that's my focus right now. And then, you know, if Harris shows he still has uh, some get up and go, um, then you, you make an adjustment. But for right now, I'm, I'm taking away that underneath stuff. I'm taking away the uh, the rhythm passes and uh, and I'm seeing if uh, if if he can if he can throw on the move, if he can throw on the run, which is you know, an area that he has to work on um, and, you know, and his red zone, you know, we get in the red zone. I'm all run. I'm, I'm not worried about the pass on the red zone. I don't, I don't like the Argos red zone offense. So I'm, uh, you know, I'm selling out on, on run in the red zone. Let's move over to the good guys. So for the Argonauts, if I am Coach Dinwiddie as the offense coordinator for the Toronto Argonauts. I've got a few plans. Just in looking over Montreal's first game against Calgary, their their defense is vulnerable. This is a team, like when we break down Montreal, they, they've got a good offense. They've got an explosive offense. 
the defense is not going to be what keeps them in games and what wins them games week to week. So there are some vulnerabilities there, some specific things that I like. So I, I love the idea in terms of the run game. I really want to tackle the right side, basically between guard and tackle. I, I think there's a lot of room there. You watch Mike Moore as the defensive tackle, um, who's generally playing that side and they will switch it, but I would run towards Mike Moore's side. He was getting really moved out. Uh, he, there was a lot of space in his gap. Um, and it was just, a, a, they found a lot of success there. It wasn't always, sometimes it was quarterbacks stepping up into gaps, but there's just a ton of room there. And I think that, I, I feel like the Argos offensive line is going to be able to move Mike Moore around specifically. Usually when there's a guy like like Amanda Sewell on, on the defensive line, usually I, I actually like running at them, uh, a player that I really respect. I think you attack him, don't let him go side to side to make plays, but I'm going to do the opposite in this case, run away from him. Now, wide runs, I like running to Avery Ellis's side. I think that's something that we can take advantage of with with jet sweeps especially they were really late reacting to jet action in calgary last week and so not only do i want to see them repping uh, jets and really challenging the boundary fast off the snap i want to see fakes off of that too so fake jet right and then harris runs left and vice versa so that's that's my plan for the running game Something that really caused them issues last week, they were running a, a ton of fire zones at midfield and they kept getting caught. There was a screen pass that Kadeem Carey took uh, a really long way last week. And that was one of those examples where, and what I mean by fire zone, so when you've got a defensive lineman who's uh, backing out into coverage, usually you have like five or six guys showing and then it's defensive linemen that will back out or linebackers that will back out. Um, and... It, they will send guys that you didn't think were coming and rush guys you didn't think were coming. And that's that's the advantage of it. It's a, it's difficult to block. But they were running so many of these. I, I think running right at this, I think anticipating fire zones near midfield, running at pressure shouldn't scare you away. It's not something that I want to see MBT check out of when we've got to run what and it looks like it's coming into a blitz. I think you hold there. Usually you might check away, you might flip the play, whatever it is. I think you actually keep that and trust that they're going to run some of these and running right into, into that fire zone, I think is a, is a good thing. And the last thing I want to say on the run is I, I want to see a draw. We haven't seen a true draw. You just don't see them a lot in the, in the CFL. There's room in this Montreal defense and they were rewarded for what I see as a mistake on film. Their backers are fanning way the heck out on pass plays. They're, they're, immediately bailing and they're bailing deep and Adarius Pickett was rewarded for this last week he he got an interception and so that's not something that they're going to be discouraged by I love draws to Harris draws to whoever is back there I don't think it's going to be McLeod Bethel Thompson keeping it himself but the old running back draw play which you just never see in the CFL I want to bust that out this week and lastly in terms of the passing game taking advantage of Greg Reed's injury in the secondary is key uh, he was their starting boundary halfback, and I'm going to specifically target that spot. There's not anything, you know, I, I think we still have to see. It's still early. We didn't really get a great sense of what Montreal's secondary looks like, but they are vulnerable. I do want to test them in that mid-range level, and I really want to try and take advantage of whoever it is they stick out there replacing Greg Reed. JB, give me your take on Toronto's defense this week against Montreal. Yeah, uh, the you know the Calgary certainly was able to to put up some big stats against them. So I, I think that 
from a defensive point of view, obviously it's it's terrific that they don't have to deal with standback. Um, you know, they've got some of the guys in there coming through, but they're not going to be standback. So I, I think from a, from a run stop perspective, um, you know, they ran on Calgary pretty well. Um, so I think that you, I think you, I can live, I can live with the run, but they're not going to beat you with the run. I think that you, you sit in those deep zones and you wait for Vernon Adams to throw you a pick and just be patient. Just be patient. He's going to throw a deep pass as he, and he's going to throw it to you. Um, I think that he's, you know, he is a quarterback that you can, um, you can catch if you, if you disguise well. Um, that's what I'm looking to do. I'm looking from a defensive backfield point of view, uh, mixing up coverages, uh, giving Adams different looks, and the picks are coming. So uh, you know he's you know he's a 55% passer. I think I think that's that's their downfall. So from a, from a defensive point of view, um, I'm, I'm looking to mix up my secondary. I'm looking to catch interceptions, um, and uh, and basically. Um, not let Adams. You can't have Adams have a good day. You know the run you can live with. You you can't have both. Um, so I'm I'm looking to take away that deep pass. Um, and from pass rush point of view, like it looked like they were vulnerable. I think you know we'll see what kind of pass rush the Argos have this year. I I, I don't know necessarily if it's going to be electric. It wasn't last year, so that's certainly an area of improvement uh, that they need to show. Um, but I'd love to see, um, I'd love to see pressure, you know, from the outside in, as opposed to Adams, you know, as opposed to Macbeth, you know, let's keep Adams in the pocket. Let's force him to beat you with the pass. Um, let's get that outside in, uh, defensive back pressure. Um, and you know, I think that's it. I don't, I don't think you have to do, you know, much more to, uh, to slow down Montreal. You gotta, you know, they're a good offensive team, but they're going to give up a lot of points. So I think, um, you know, I think you're looking to get those interceptions and, uh, and you know, basically dare one of their backup running backs to, to dominate you. I think you have to test the O-line early. On paper, this O-line should be good. They're returning pretty much everyone. I guess the left tackle is... Uh, is technically a new starter, but you know he's he's been with the team, and so their communication should be good. But Calgary caught them a few times with delayed blitzes last week, and I wouldn't mind seeing some of that at least early, just to see do these guys have it sorted out because it didn't look like a team that had played, it didn't look like a line that had played together a lot last week. So yeah, test that early, and if if they're able to respond, that's fine. Then you know you can you can go to something else. I love to see run blitzing. Um, I'd yeah. love to see that mixed in. You know, I really think like, you know, if, if Mwamba was 100%, uh, I'd love to see them mix that in. It's our first one thing of the year, JB. Uh, I'm going to let you go first. What is the one thing <laughs> that you want to see the Argos do this week? And it better not be the one thing that you brought up every single week last year. <laughs> um, what is the one thing I would love to see? Um, I would love to see a punt returner. Um break a play for over 20 uh all right my yeah i was gonna go with punt return as well uh for one thing but i'll i'll change it up here i want to see i want to see a first drive score i want to see i want to see them take this season by the horns i want to see it right from the beginning Uh, i i don't want to be 
involved in a, a game where the Argos take three or four drives to get a field goal on the board. I, I want to see that first drive. I want this to look like a team that has largely played together before. There's so many returning pieces on this offense. You compare it to last year when everything was up in the air. We didn't even know who the starting quarterback was going to be week one, uh, week two for that matter, and week three for that matter. Uh, and there was there were just so many moving pieces. This team has mostly been together. Let's look like that. I, I want them to come out and score a touchdown opening drive. That's my one thing. Yeah, and I mean, we talked about it. Like, statistically, the team that's winning at the end of the first quarter, and then even more so the team that's winning at half, is going to win the game most of the time. You know, this this, this Argos team is is built to, to do that. It's built to play teams that are trying to catch up. Um, that's what you want, as opposed to the reverse, right? It, they're just kind of a weird team. Like they, when they get on schedule, they can click and they're good, but when they get down, things kind of go sideways in a hurry. So I, I agree with you. Um, you know, let's let's get out there early. We we need to be a quick starting team. That is definitely um, our forte. I'm predicting an Argos win, but I think it's going to be a lot closer than I thought it was going to be a few days ago. Because the the things that are, let me give you kind of my rationale for that. It, the Argos should win, one, because they're playing at home. They had a great home record last year. Two, they're just a better team on paper and watching them play. They're, they're better than the Montreal Alouettes. Three, Montreal has got back-to-back road games to open the season. Back-to-back road games are always death. They're a huge disadvantage. So just those three things alone, I think, are reasons to say the Argos will win. But you look at that injury report, you know that Coach Dinwiddie has been away from the team. And, you know, it, it does make you a little nervous. But I think the standback injury is is enough to push this one over the top. So I do think it's tight. I actually think it's going to be the exact same score Montreal played to last week. I think Toronto wins 30-27. Yeah, I'm I'm on the same mind. I think that uh I think that look, I think Montreal's a good team, you know. I I don't think they're as good as Toronto and I think losing Stanbeck is obviously you know, I I'm going to guess going to be a problem. Um but they're a good team. I think that they are right there with Toronto and Hamilton. Um I see Toronto winning a home opener. They've shown that they're a damn good home team. Um I got Toronto 28-24 fantasy advice time and i don't know if we can call it fantasy (laughs) advice anymore as a segment after what happened to us last week jb we got absolutely just annihilated we got we got uh, elked we got elked we had we clearly had too much faith in the edmonton elks last week because they well we we both felt pretty good about uh, them surprising people and i don't think we felt that great about bc and it was the reverse of both cases and so yeah we were we were just crushed in fantasy uh, so hopefully not too many of you followed our fantasy advice this week but this is where we turn it around and it's a big you know, one for us i feel the, better about the team this week i i do although I, I quite like the team last week but i feel good about this this team i, I do feel better about it and in our in our uh, podcast league uh, we're going up against Argos Fancast this week. And so this is bragging rights for the city of Toronto. This is a big one. And I've made fun of them on their show about their fantasy picks. So uh, there's something extra writing in this one for me because I'm going to look pretty bad if if we get blown out again. And they had, they had a really good week last week. So, uh, yeah, we got to come up with one. At quarterback, we're going with Dane Evans. Tell the good people why, JB. 
Yeah, I mean, I don't know why we still have all these Hamilton guys in our picks. But, you know, like like housing, things are value-priced for Hamilton. Um, and uh, he's going to bounce back. Uh, is he going to be playoff uh, dynamics? Probably not. But he can't be that bad. I think, you know, I mean, it would be amusing for Mazzoli to be twice as good as him uh, two games in a row. Um, I know that our Hamilton fans are all thinking that. So it's win-win. If he's great, then we have a good week. Uh, if he's not, then that'll be very amusing to watch Hamilton fans um, fret over it, having chosen the wrong quarterback. But I don't think so this week. I think I think at home he bounces back and he has a, he has a good game and the price was right. Yeah, it's just about price for me. And I like you, I wish we didn't have to have any Hamilton players. I think he's our I think he's our only one this week. Um and our last Hamilton player did not go very well, Jackson, last week. So Evans at seven thousand two hundred and fifty six. I think that's that's a that's a good buy. Running backs, we've gone with the opposite strategy. Last week we went big on running backs and one of them was out for uh potentially the year after the first quarter. Uh, and the other one uh, did nothing at all. So this week, we've got Jamal Morrow, uh, Saskatchewan, and he's going to be taking on our Elks, uh, $5,313. I think this is a this is a steal uh, for a guy that's going to get the, the I think, the bulk of the work out of the backfield. Uh, they throw him in there in the return game as well. So yeah, I, I love the value for him. Brady Oliveira is our other back, 4710 he, he was fine last week, and I think, you know, playing Ottawa again, I, I really feel like Winnipeg didn't get going last week, and I think that this is probably the time that they that they do, and I think Oliveira is going to be a big part of that. It's just huge value, too, because even if he even if he gets a, a touchdown and, and 40 yards rushing, that's, that's tremendous from a, a $4,710 player. So I like our backfield, uh, value-picked backfield. Our receivers... Uh, we, we're sort of mid-range here. So first Argo on the board. We're going with Tavares Daniels, uh, $6,634. I think that's a good buy, especially with Rodgers out. I think you're going to probably lean some more targets uh, Daniels' way because that's what we saw last year in games where Rodgers was injured and Daniels was not. Those tended to be big games for him. We saw that in Hamilton last week, that or la- last year, with that huge catch that he made. He had a couple of seven, eight, nine catch games, and I think we could be looking at that from him. So I like that price. Yeah, I mean, he's he traditionally, you know, I don't say traditionally, often, much to my chagrin, was not a volume guy, but he definitely is a guy who gets in the end zone. Yeah, and and he's he's the most he's the most skilled receiver on the Toronto Argonauts. And if you're going to take an Argo, that's a good price for him. Shaq Evans as our other guy, another Saskatchewan. We've got, we're putting, we're putting all our eggs in the Rough Rider basket this week. So they better not pull an Edmonton on us in Edmonton. Shaq Evans. I actually like all the Saskatchewan receivers. I think this is really good value though for Shaq Evans, $6,108. I liked Duke Williams more, but he was like 10,000 or something like that. So I think Shaq Evans is a good, good value play. For flex, we've gone with another Argonaut newcomer, Markeith Ambles at 6,036. Similar to the Darius Daniels thing for me, they're going to, they're going to throw the ball. Um, they're, there's going to be openings, especially short. So I do like some of these slot guys because you're going to get play action attention with Harris in the backfield. And so Markeith is one of those guys uh, drag routes, digs. Uh, I want to see him involved early, and I think we will. So I think that's a nice value play for him too. 
And for defense, because the Elks were so bad for us last week, either we will be vindicated this week because they'll blow up uh, the Rough Riders and completely destroy our fantasy lives, or uh, the Elks are just not a very good football team. And Saskatchewan Rough Riders defense at $3,785 will drive us to a victory. Yeah, love it. Love love, love Saskatchewan against the Elks. Elks are dead to me. Coach Jones, everybody out there. They're just, you know, I don't know why, you know, they were picking through our garbage and we still picked them. And that was a terrible, terrible mistake. It should have been a sign when you know, I don't think we thought through it that clearly. Like we had so much faith in Coach Jones. Yeah. But when you, you looked at that, I, I know when the game was starting, I was thinking to myself, I'm like, huh. Tristan Deku starting at, at field half. He was on our bench. And like Jalen Collins is starting at boundary corner. He was he was our field corner and then he got cut. And it's just it's not exactly what you want to see. So guys that like just signed that get thrown right into the game. That doesn't happen a lot, especially on defense. And I know it's it's a similar system to what they played under, but man, that was that was not a good sign. And uh yeah, it certainly worked out the way that uh that we should have predicted and did not. Let's get to our picks. So we've already gone with Toronto over Montreal for both of us. What do you make of the the Winnipeg-Ottawa matchup? Oh, by the way, I was 2-2 last week after taking a gamble on Ottawa. That came so close because Ottawa should have won that that game in Winnipeg last week. They couldn't pull it out. So you were 3-1. I was 2-2. I feel like it should have been the other way around. But let's get get to this week. a comfortable weekend for me with 3-1. In picks, um, you know, my fantasy squad beat your fantasy squad in inter interpod fantasying. You know, it was, it was a solid week for the JBs, so I, I feel I feel good heading into week two. Your fantasy team still put up like fifty points to beat my team. Still, they put up like forty-five. You don't have to run faster than the bear. It's true. Let's get to Ottawa, Winnipeg. Where are you going here? Rematch um, in Ottawa. I know I've said this many times before that it's very hard to beat a team twice in a row, and I think most coaches are able to 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 scheme it up. Um, and Ottawa's home opener, but no way, I'm not taking Ottawa over Winnipeg yet. Um, I say I don't. I like you. I don't think Winnipeg played particularly well in the home opener. Uh, I'm going to take Winnipeg again. I'm also going with Winnipeg, and the reason I picked Ottawa last week is because I thought they had the I thought they had the element of surprise, and they did. Like Winnipeg, it's not that they came out flat. Like I, I like I don't think Calaris had a bad game statistically. It wasn't great, but he, he looked fine. But they just didn't seem ready to play a good team, and Ottawa really should have, if not for just a. a ton of mental mistakes and then forgetting how to tackle in the last two minutes they they really should have won that game and I think now they're not going to catch Winnipeg off guard Winnipeg's a better football team than Ottawa and so even though it's in Ottawa Winnipeg is not going to be sleeping on it this week because they know they got hit in the mouth last week so I actually expect Winnipeg to win this one maybe not comfortably but I I think we're looking at a, a touchdown win Calgary at Hamilton. I'll go first with this one. Uh, I think Hamilton. I hate picking Hamilton, but I I think they're going to win. I think they're a good football team, and they didn't look like it uh, on the scoreboard last week, but that game was a lot closer uh, than it may seem looking back at the score. They were in that game right to the end, and then Saskatchewan pulled away. Hamilton's defense is really good, and Calgary still needs to show me something. I think Hamilton opening at home, they're going to have a great crowd there. Um, I hate to do it, but Hamilton's winning this game. 
yeah, I, I think you're wise to just simply take my picks uh, this week. And, uh, you know, I, I agree. I think Hamilton is the better team. Hamilton's at home. Um, Hamilton went punch for punch for three quarters with the best team in the league. Uh, I like Hamilton to win uh, to win handily at home, actually. And I assume you're taking Saskatchewan <laughs> over Edmonton just to finish copying all my picks? <laughs> well, obviously, I think it would be obvious whose picks were being copied. Um, <laughs> you know, I feel like the Elks could be one of those teams that haunts us the entire year that we're never right on. Um, so we'll see if that's the case, because uh, if the Elks pull this win out, then it's just going to be a nightmare of picking Elks for the rest of the season. So I'm I'm I am hoping for uh, logic and normalcy in our universe. And I'm picking uh, Saskatchewan to to take care of business against the uh, the the motley crew of Edmonton. <laughs> I, I do worry because the, the Elks. They looked terrible. They looked absolutely terrible last week. But they're not the same as the terrible teams we've seen over the last couple of years. This is not the same team as what we saw from the Red Blacks last year, what we saw from both the Red Blacks and Toronto in 2019. The Yucks are a much better squad than that personnel-wise. They just have to show it. And it's true. One of these weeks, they're going to just blow somebody out. And it better not be this week with all of our eggs in that Rough Rider basket. So those are the picks. JB and I are both on the same page. We got Toronto, Winnipeg, Hamilton, and Saskatchewan. JB, we're going to be at the game in less than 48 hours time. Uh, We'll be watching some Argos CFL football. And uh, yeah, I, I couldn't be more excited about that. If you're thinking about coming to the game... Tons of tickets still available. My personal recommendation, if you're looking for seats, section 223 at the back, you can get tickets for 57 bucks. Um, it's it's expensive, but that's the best place in the entire stadium to sit. Of anywhere that you are going to sit uh, in the entire stadium, the back of 223 is where I would choose if I could choose any seat in the whole place. And 57 bucks is a pretty good price. You're right in the middle and you're pretty much as high up as you get. It's pretty much where, where we are in the press box. Um, but... Uh, without giant uh, window panes in front of you. So yeah, great seats there. If you're on a budget, wonderful tickets for 28 bucks all over the end zone, which is a really fun place to watch a game and you can get them in the end zone corners as well for that price too. So hopefully... It's going to be gorgeous. You know, the thunderstorms are going to blow over midday. Uh, It's going to be 30 degrees. It's going to be a perfect night. Yeah, I feel like it is going to shape up to be a beautiful night for football. The more and more I look at the weather forecast, the the better it seems like it's going to be. So hopefully we will see you there on Thursday night for the Argos home opener. That is just about going to do it for us on this episode of the X's and Argos podcast. For JB, this is Ben Grant saying so long and may all your pre-snap reads be good ones. I'll see you.